I'm your host, Jay Wald, and this is another weekly podcast of Deeper Dive, brought to you by Plantation SDA Church. This is season four, episode eight. And my wonderful co-host, Dawn, is not with me this time, so I'll continue to be in solo and continue to keep her in your prayers. Uh, we want to thank all our podcast listeners for taking the time out, whatever social media platform you may be using. Please contact us via WhatsApp. You can text us at 954 388 8780. And today we have a brother. I don't think he's ever been on Deeper Dive. Hmm. Might have to check the archives on that one. But nevertheless, we have our brother, Elder Jason Tracy. Brother uh, Tracy, what church are you from again? Um, hello, everyone. I am from Daughter of Zion, Seventh Adventist Church there in Delray Beach. There you go. All right. Thank you so much. I mean, I. I, I like to, you know, since the time we first met, it's been several years ago when we first met. And um, I remember, I've always remembered me as that comedic attorney slash evangelist. How about that? I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. <laughs> I'll own it and I'll take it. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's good, man, my brother. That's good. And thank you for being on for us. Uh, as we always do this before we get started, let's get a word of prayer and then we'll be underway. Father God, thank you once again for this wonderful time, Lord, for this podcast, Lord. We thank you for all the components that make everything work. Continue to bless whoever listens, Lord, and receives their Holy Spirit from here, Lord, and they can move on. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, Jason, thank you for coming to Plantation. It's been a while, what, a couple of years now? It's been a good while, Joe, I'll be honest with you, and it feels as though I have aged even more since the pandemic hit so definitely been a long time but um indeed uh, felt right back at home i understand that brother but it's always good to see you man because you know we're now we always have a little fun time but um i had to um i was out with wife and during her birthday so you know you got you can't miss those i was not going to mess that up either so um <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll connect on the next time around but definitely send my, my post celebratory um regards yeah yeah, no, thank you, my brother. Appreciate it. We had a wonderful time, and she she asked about you as well. Um, let's get into it. So, the title, Award Season, what brought that about? Very interesting. Um, you know, as we were just looking at the time of year that we were in and looking at some of the things that were taking place all around us, just continually seeing award after award. And I think it was that same week we had the scoring title um, mm-hmm. by the gentleman whose name I won't say just because of just being a Heat um, fan. And we also had, um, I think the week prior to that may have been, I think the Grammys and then the um, Oscar season was around the corner. The NFL had just wrapped up the Pro Bowl and they handed out some of the awards for the year as well. And then the Super Bowl hit. And so with all these things going on, it's talking about this award season. And I think it really resonated with the idea of what God is doing and what he wants to do for us as well. Mm, I, I do understand that because I was trying to get the correlation of how you do. You were using that and also using Hebrews, what, Hebrews chapter 11, I believe, verse 32. Yes, and yes, yes. Talking about judgment. I mean, ultimately, I mean, that means, you know, Trusting God in his tent to, to do his promise of uh, internal um, perspective from what Paul wrote about, you know, his letter to the Hebrews. And particularly you were more or less talking about judgment, where the judgment hour. Talk more about that. Thanks so much. You know, one of the things that we 
experienced in our movement is that when we talk about judgment, it has scared, I mean, droves of individuals into the message. And I think that when you look at judgment in the Bible, it is not in is not supposed to be an hour or an experience that creates this angst and anxiety, but instead it's supposed to be this moment we can find, take a deep sigh of relief and say, finally, uh, you know, the, the, the judgment is, is here. And so if you know the judge and when you go into court, if you know the attorney who is your advocate or the person who's advocating on your behalf, and you know the lawgiver, the one that's going to be using this rule of law to, to make a ruling, um, you have witnesses who are backing you. And that's part of what we talked about in Hebrews as well. We kind of trickled over to Hebrews chapter 12. The church pushed me. I didn't want to do it, Joe, but church just pushed me. We end up in Hebrews chapter 12, <laughs> verse one. But if you, but if you have witnesses on your side, you have the judge, you have the lawgiver, you have the advocate. I mean, you go to court happy because you know, you're leaving happy. You know what I mean? So, so the idea is this judgment hour for us should be a celebratory experience. It should be a happy experience. And we should embrace that knowing that the hour of judgment is common. So I think really wrapping our minds and kind of maybe rewiring some of our approaches as it relates to ministry and how we teach others more about Christ is just so, it, it, it's so fundamental to teaching his love. And so I think that was kind of like the, the impetus for that. Appreciate that, my brother. You spoke a bit about Abraham in the tent uh, with the city of foundation. Speak a little bit more about that. So it was one of the most dramatic, I think, shifts that we see taking place. You know, God gives Abraham this promise and he tells him, I'm going to make this great nation from you. You're going to be a father of this great generation. I'm going to fulfill the promise that I made to this world through your seed. And so Abraham has the opportunity to become just this name that is, just resonates throughout household to household, generation to generation, right? Mm -hmm. And Abraham says, yeah, man, it's a powerful thing. And in the secular, uh, in the um, humanness, we look at that promise and we see very finite results. As you look at Abraham and he's dwelling in tents and learning about this this promise that God has made and he's looking through the lens of heaven. So it's no longer a finite lens, but yeah. it is an infinite lens, an everlasting lens, this, this lens of eternal life. Abraham begins to realize and really just captures the essence of God's love that I'm looking for something greater than what's right here. And so, you know, the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, it yeah. becomes so apparent in Abraham's experience where I'm no longer looking for a place on this earth. I'm looking for this place that was built, whose builder and maker is God that has foundations. And so the parallel again of a tent that has absolutely no foundation whatsoever, like a tent is so portable, is so temporary. And so Abraham says, I don't mind the temporary experience down here because I'm getting ready for something permanent and everlasting with my heavenly father. And so it's a great, pattern for us to continue to mimic and, and, and mark our lives as it relates to the things down here are temporary. The houses that we want to close on next week, the the um, communities we want to be gated in, the experience we want to have in the, you know, in a, in a condo or a studio apartment, those things are so temporary. And if we can start embracing this as more temporary, I think our stress level would decrease, our faith would increase, and our experience would just be much richer. Oh, believe me, you can't say that and no better than what you just said. 
what I'm looking for, like I said, just the fact that God's people would inhabit that city. The illumination would be, be awesome. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and that's just a mind-boggling thing as well, to think that God would allow us to light up the skies and light up the universe with his glory. That's just a powerful, just powerful. Yeah, that is powerful. You made it, uh, You spoke briefly about Deacon, um, Deacon Stevens, um, pretty much emulating what Paul's lesson was about, right? Yeah, I think Stephen gets overlooked. And I think, you know, I don't know, I can't speak to plantation and how they deal with the officers, but just the churches that I've been involved in, the deacons are often looked at more as a janitorial staff and often looked at as those who just kind of like caretakers. Yeah. And I think Stephen really just kind of turns that on his ear um, fully when it just talks about a man full of faith who was full of the Holy Spirit, who when he spoke, they could see God just written all over him, you know, the glory of God coming through him. And yeah. I think he lays out a great pattern without having a script, without having a pulpit, without being invited to get speaker. He just truly speaks by virtue of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul was there to hear it and takes that same structure and gives it right back to the Hebrews again. So it's just a powerful, and I think the renewing of that message is something that we can take to heart in the way we approach things as well and just continue to relive that message of God's promises of old or his promises of today. Definitely. I appreciate you saying that. And for the record, us being a deacon like myself, we do much more than custodial and offering. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed we do. Indeed we, we do. do a lot more than that. <laughs> I grew Let's up move. as a deacon as well, so I I, I, yeah. I embrace that, my brother. I take all yeah. that. Yes, we do, my brother. It, it is a calling. It is a part of our ministry. Um, Rahab, let's talk about her. That was that was so, how you wrap that up with just so wonderful, how you, you know, work, how she ended up working into Jesus' bloodline. Let's speak on that a little bit more. I am so moved by Rahab's story. There are women in the Bible that really inspire me. And I, you know, it's interesting. Rahab is one. Her future uh, daughter-in-law is another Ruth really moves me in that regard. Um, just her loyalty, her fidelity to God. And then Mary Magdalene, she also moves me because there's nothing I was going to get in her way. And so when I talk about Rahab and her link to the bloodline of Christ, it speaks volumes to me that Rahab, all she had was a desire, a burning desire, Right. And based upon Rahab having that burning desire, God said, I can use you. Yes. And so the hope that I have here, Joe, is, man, it, no matter what I've done, no matter where I've ended up, no matter where I fall again and slip into again. And I'm going to say this piece is that's, that's, I think, so apropos. So I think that the, the, the benefit that I have when exploring and just looking at the story of Rahab's life is that it reminds me that while Rahab was in the lifestyle that she was in, mm -hmm. she wanted, she knew better and she wanted better. Right. Yeah. And it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't something that she stopped doing immediately when she knew better, but it's something that when after some time passed, she was able to kind of get out of that lifestyle. So for me, the reason why it's such an appropriate application to my life is I have a desire, I have a burning desire, but I don't always do what I know I should do. What does Paul say? Paul says that the, the spirit is indeed willing, right? Flesh is weak. And so he said that thing I ought not to do, I find myself doing, right? And so when I consider that for my life, I can look and say, well, you know what? 
when Paul says Rahab the harlot, he's not saying that evil, you know, foul, um, vile woman. He's saying, look what God saw beyond, right? And so for me, it's one of those things where I can say, God is so kind that he's saying, Jason, even though you know better, even though you're still messing up, how long you been in this message now? How much of my word have you read? How much do you know? And you're still messing up. If you still have that desire, the Holy Spirit is still speaking to you. I still have a not only a way to rescue and save you, but I want to use you to show my glory. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm just mystified at how God will be willing to show his glory through my miserable life. And so Rahab gives me so much hope and so much inspiration. Mary Magdalene, Jesus told her, wherever the gospels preach, you're going to be mentioned. This thing you just did is going to be mentioned. So the idea is you want my name mixed up in your name and mm -hmm. not only just my name, he said, I want your blood mixed into my bloodline. And so for Rahab's life, I think that idea of her being the ancestor, if you will, of Christ it speaks volumes to how Christ wants all of us to come into his bloodline. And that's that, 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 that washing away of the old and journeying into the new. That's, a, that's actually wonderful. I, I, I enjoyed the part when you mentioned that she was her passion. She wanted to be a seamstress and how yeah. that ended up going along with the bloodline, even up to the crucifixion. Yes. Yes. Um, I think a lot of us have, you know, we call them like dreams deferred. Um, okay. or, or sometimes it's dreams at a sideline and God has a way of saying, I didn't design you to be this. I created you to be that. And I'm going to find a way for you to realize your end um, that I had for you from the very beginning. So even though we have what we call God's providence, his desire for our lives, his perfect will, mm -hmm. there are times where we end up in God's permissive will. And I'm a testimony of that. So I don't know if I was supposed to be doing what I'm doing as far as my profession is concerned, yes. but God permitted it and allowed me to use that as a way to still say, okay, I'm bringing you back in here to ministry. And this is what I actually had designed in my perfect will for you. I think that for me is just a powerful experience of his, just his love for us. Yes. And that's also temporary too, because you're not yes. doing exactly uh, until that time comes, God gives you that, you know, your will, your desire for what he wants. But what you're doing, like she was doing, was temporary. Correct. Correct. Understood. Understood. And then, of course, you know how the story goes with um, Simon, the husband, and then Boaz, and then Bruce, and Obed, and Jesse, and then David, mm -hmm. and the seven mm -hmm. sons, and mm -hmm. uh, one before Samuel, you know. And then the main thing that stands out is David was anointed. Yes. Amen. Amen for that. You yeah. You actually spoke about the consuming fire, the meaning with the Hebrew boys, because I think certain people are thinking that the consuming fire is just to be burned up. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the issues we have, again, is the way we present God. And a lot of times we present God the way he was presented to us. So we introduce people how they're introduced to us. And that's problematic because a lot of times people introduce God to us the way that they see him through their lens. And that's not true picture of who God is. Um, so we are taught to be obedient for fear that if you're not obedient, you're going to be destroyed. Um, my whole position is let's be obedient because we're so in love with this God. Um, one of the things that I've done, and I'm not 
by any means or any stretch of the imagination suggesting that I have an understanding of how to raise children, right? Um, I'm just I'm just a few years into this thing, Joe, and I'm still working my way through it and still stumbling and fumbling it on the way. Well, still congratulations, brother. <laughs> but what I've done is I have taught my children about God and his promises as opposed to teaching about his curses. Yes. And about what he has designed and created for the devil. The Bible is very clear. The lake of fire is not for us. He designed that for, that, that's for the devil. If we choose to go down that road, we'll end up in that road, down that road. But I don't want to scare him. I can't, you can't scare anyone into heaven. No. And so by, by trying to shape people straight and scare them straight into believing that, look, if you do all these things, you'll be, um, you'll be saved um, for fear of going to hell. No one's going to end up in heaven for fear of going to hell. It's going to you're just in love with this God. That's and true. The way he's consumed with you, only, only a God who is consumed with you be willing to come down, reduce himself to human nature and die on the cross. Yeah. How consumed are you with him? Right. And if, if you're so consumed with God that you're able to just have him fill your entire life, not just apart from the weekends from, you know, 11 to three while you're at church, mm -hmm. um, not just a part of the week where, OK, fine, I can't do anything anyway. So let me go ahead and give me 24 hours. But you're, you're willing to let him consume your life while you're at work, at play, at school, wherever it may be. If you want to have him consume you, God says that's when you'll begin to have the image and likeness of him, right? You begin to reflect him. So the Hebrew boys are walking in this fiery furnace and Paul wraps it up so beautifully. He goes that the violence of the flames could not touch them, but the fire was all in them and around them. It just, no, there was no violence in it. And I think in our lives, we live a life where we allow the violence to get to us because we haven't fully embraced the power of God. Yes. Um, and, and I think that's the key. And, and, you know, at some point, my hope is that I'll be able to um, spend some time just talking about this, this, this idea of being so consumed by God that we actually begin to reflect the flames of God in our life. And there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that's so powerful in Revelation chapter four and also Revelation chapter 15, where it talks about the differences of the sea of glass mingled with fire in Revelation chapter 15 in Revelation chapter four, it's just a sea of glass. The only difference is Joe in chapter 15, we are standing on the sea of glass. So now all of a sudden the reflection of us is a mingled fire. It's not fire of it by itself. It's the individuals who are standing there. You can see inside of them that God consuming fire reflecting through. So just That's a powerful that, thing. You know, being an attorney, um, Jason, you're talking about motions in court. And there's a section they call wherefore clause. Um, what does that uh, do for us as Christians? A uh, very powerful experience that Paul gives us in Hebrews chapter 12. As you look at that word wherefore, it really just encapsulates the entire experience. So we see it first, I'm going to say first, but we see a great example of it with King Hezekiah when he was ill and facing what seemed to be certain death. He goes before God and he turns his face to the wall. He's having his wherefore moment, right? He's going back over the things he's done. But at the end of the day, he's asking God to you know, consider it in the totality of things. You know, and wherefore, I'm asking you to extend my life. And then we see it again with Samson in his life, how he, okay, he was consecrated for God's purpose. 
He was set aside for a certain um, will that was be, to be fulfilled by God's grace. And he slips. And at the end of the day, Samson saying, look, I know I messed up. I'm standing here before all these Philistines and I'm asking you, remember me this once. In other words, wherefore, Lord, all the promises, all the things that you told my parents, all the things you told Manoah, all the things that the angel came down and, and, and they said their name is wonderful and all those things that you that you that you performed before your children Israel. I'm asking you now, Lord, wherefore, based upon who not I am, but based upon who you are, do that yes. thing. And so um, it's a powerful resonate, um, this, this, this recognition of who God is. And last thing I'm going to say is the thief on the cross. The thief on yeah, the powerful wherefore clause, right? He's sitting mm -hmm. there. He knows he's messed up. He's condemned. He says, I am. He said, look, we're rightfully condemned. They didn't have any false charges against us. The trial was perfectly honest and fair. Um, the, the sentence was, was reasonable. Um, this death thing. But all I'm saying is, Jesus, wherefore, if you would, when you come again, remember me. In other words, don't remember what I've done. Just remember me. Remember and that's me. the wherefore yeah, experience. And so in that, when Christ says, indeed, I will for sure, when I come again, you will be with me in paradise. That is the power we have to take with us that even though we're asking here on legal documents sometimes, wherefore asking the court to do something for us, you've considered all the facts, you consider all the evidence. I'm asking um, court, consider this one thing. All I'm saying is, Lord, your wherefore cause is more is just so much more powerful. It's not based on anything I've done. I'm asking you to look at the merits of Christ Jesus and based upon the merits of his righteousness, wherefore save me. And, and if we can start embracing that promise, we can walk in so much power. But a lot of times we get so bogged down in stuff that we've done as though we can save ourselves. And we just Yeah. Can. That's the plan of the enemy. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. definitely. Well, last thing I wanted to mention to you about, I just love <laughs> when you talk about the pre-show and about your garment. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> I love that, my brother. I love, that, that was just the icing on the cake for me. Yeah, I um, it, it's something else. You know, every time you watch these shows, they, they designate what is about a half an hour to an hour just admiring what people are wearing. And as I began thinking about this thing, I thought to myself, man, he says, we're going to be made new, right? Um, he says, behold, I make all things new. And then Paul breaks it down again in one of his epistles. He says, look, um, he's going to take us and make us into a new creature. And the idea is when Christ is making something new, the way he dressed the priests of old, can you imagine when he dressed us in his own righteousness and to be able to be able to turn the individuals and know who the author and the finisher of your faith. In other words, who actually built and made this garment tailor fitted for you. There, Joe, there will be no seam. There will be no crease. There will be no hem that is hanging too low or, or the cuff is too short or, or it doesn't sway just right when you move. It's not going to hug your body, but it's going to hug your soul. You know what I mean? And so I oh, think considering, considering what God is putting together, the perfect headpiece, you know what I mean? The perfect mm -hmm, gear, mm -hmm. the perfect mm -hmm. shoes, the perfect uh, accessories. Um, I, you know, I thought about the fact that this idea, a lot of times people are saying, oh, you know, what, you know, what are you wearing? Oh, that, that um, an accessory piece. And, and who, you know, oh, oh, where'd you get that from? And it's, oh, yeah, these these diamonds are from such and such. And the, the, the rubies from such and such. And I borrowed this and I borrowed that. Christ is saying, I'm going to light you up so nice that it's not a matter of you borrowing it. It will be yours because you're going to be wearing me for all eternity. So wherever we go, we are housed in the righteousness of Christ. And I can't begin to imagine 
But I'll tell you one thing, Joe. I'm going to yeah. say this. It's going to sound messed up, but I'm just going to have to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I went to church many years ago, and I made the cardinal, I won't say sin, mistake, right, of not yeah. having a tie on when I walked in the door. I had on a suit, single-breasted suit. I had on a collared shirt that was had one button that was loose, the very top button. I didn't show any chest hair because I don't have any. And as I walk in, a brother comes and pulls me and says, oh, I see you came in here without a tie on today. Right. And my response immediately and without any planning, I said to him. Jesus died on the cross with no clothes. He was just like he was naked on the cross. Right. And. That was, I mean, that's pre-pandemic. That's many years ago. Um, fast forward, I'm leaving church one Sabbath, and I had on a suit. I had a bow tie. I had a pocket square, and I did not have on Kohans. I left those at home, and I wore a pair of center court, all white on white, Air Jordans. Now. If you are a basketball fan, um, you know, you saw the last dance, right, Joe? Um, and I think you're muted. Um, but um, you see the last dance and Jordan walks through and he has these shoes on. I'm like, man, this is this is got to got to get them. So I got the shoes and I wore them that particular Sabbath. I walk in. My wife is um, is dressed for church as well. And she has on this dress and she has on the retro air ones that have a custom colorway that matches at least four to five colors of her dress. I want to make, I'm, I'm right. Yeah. I mean, every color is that's stitched in the dress is stitched into the shoe. We are leaving. My children are in front of us. They have on um, some um, one son had on a pair of um Air Force One um, Unos, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm just trying to make a point, I had on some Unos, and so they were custom, I think Giannis um, at the time had had them customized, right? Yeah, and then, then the other other child had on, um, I don't know what kind of shoe he had on, but whatever it was, right? Put on the, what I thought was, you know, um, some, some, you know, nice um, footwear. I'm leaving church, heading into the parking lot, um, got done with service, had a great time in service, and as I'm walking to the parking lot, remember the pocket square, bow tie, suit, the whole nine, someone calls out to me, Elder Tracy, Elder Tracy. And, and, I, and I turn around, I think something's wrong. And, and I go back and I'm like, yeah, he goes, oh, oh you know, your wife, your wife. And so I, oh, okay. And I grab my wife and um, I thought he wanted prayer. I thought he wanted, you know, whatever it may be. I bring my wife over, children in front of us. And, and he says, um, yeah, I, you know, I was just thinking, man, I really like how you guys, you could just come to church as you are. And I said, oh, okay. Yeah, you just, you know, you're real comfortable. Just, you're very comfortable. And I said, oh, okay. I said, huh? huh? Yeah, you just come as you are. You know, it's real casual stretch. And, and, he, and, and he started motioning. I said, well, what do you mean? I said, wait a second. I have on a bow tie. I have a pocket square. Because normally, you know, I won't necessarily have that on. But, I, you know, I wore that that day. And I said, well, you know, what, what are you talking about? No, the shoes you have, you know, and, and he went to my shoes. I said, but these are, I said, I could have wore Cole Hans, but that would have been, you know, what, 
one and a half or so. I want to give God my best. So I put on these, right? The Air Jordans, I thought. And then he looked at my wife said, and kind of like I looked at, looked at her feeling like she could have wore a basic black pump, but do you see the work that came and in, went into this for God? Like this was, and so what am I getting at when I'm, uh, when I'm saying all this is if I could put that much effort into trying to present something to God, and I've yet, as the Hebrews chapter 12 says, we have not yet given unto blood. Imagine what God's going to give us with that robe of righteousness, with the with the crown of right of righteousness. Um, just imagine the stuff that He's prepared for us. He said it has not entered into man's heart. We have not seen it. We can't even think it. Can't even have never heard of such a thing. And so I think oftentimes what we think is the best down here has nothing on what God has up there. And so I'm talking about even what I prepared is thinking that was my best, right? Clearly I upset some individuals and offended some, right? Um, but but just imagine when God comes, there'll be no offense. It'll just be so simply so mind-blowing of what God has put together. So yeah, Dolce Cabana, um, Gucci, Versace, Louis Vuitton, um, Salvatore Ferragamo, Chanel, um, even for the old folks on the island up north here, Lily Pulitzer, um, all that stuff, you, you can't hold a light, a candle next to what God is going to dress us and adorn us in, in his awesome presence for all eternity. And I can't wait for that. What you wearing? This is on anchor. What are you wearing? This is on Jesus. What are you wearing? This is the peace, the, 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 the peace in the midst of the storm. What are, you, what are you wearing? This is just Jesus the Christ. That's, that's what I'm wearing. That's what I'm rocking. I like so, that, brother. I like that. I, I you know, I, I'm I'm loving the lily of the valley. Yes, my man. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm not a tie guy. I do wear it, but I'm not a tie guy. Most people at church mm. will tell you I don't wear ties. I, I feel like I'm choking. I don't know why. It it, it does. It, <laughs> they actually get that studies on it where it does cause issues with your windpipe. It's just not <laughs> not the healthiest thing to wear. Yeah, so I, I feel comfortable. I have to have my neck free. Mm, but my brother, I, I'm with you on that. I appreciate it. My brother, I want to thank you for taking the time. I'm sorry I wasn't there, but, you know, I, I still had to make the point because, I, you know, I love your sermons. I just love how you make it so real to let us know about the word in your way of doing it. And that's wonderful because God has blessed you um, to be authentic that way. So I know I'll see you soon. I know the time will come where we'll get together and we must do lunch. I know that when you come in this area because sometimes I'm up in that area every now and then since I'm now in a different uh, profession, I can Perfect. we can we can meet up and everything. And when you get off this line, we can. I, look, I don't think I have your number anymore. But okay. uh, I, I think it. I still kept I'll yours, though, Joe. That's how much I cared about you. I kept your number. I, I, I know. I'm gonna blame <laughs> it on COVID, but thank you. But uh, <laughs> well, thank you, Renee, for doing that. But um, if you could just lead us out a word of prayer, and we appreciate that, my brother. Most certainly. Our Father, my God, we thank you so much for your mercy and for your love. Lord, we appreciate these opportunities, these small moments there, Lord. We could just spend time together conversing about the goodness of you. Lord, I'm asking now that you will breathe a breath of just your, your covering and your life over all the recipients, dear Lord, of this podcast. Those, dear Lord, who are near, those who are far. Those, dear Lord, as it trickles down, dear Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue just to build like an avalanche of love in our hearts. Thank you for Joe, dear Lord. Thank you for the Plantations uh, Technology Department, dear Lord, and all that they are doing, dear Father, to further your work and to push the gospel, dear Lord, into the uttermost parts of this earth. 
I'm praying to God that anything that was said to the miss, I pray to the Lord that you'll cover it and continue to Lord to cover us in your goodness, in your love, dear Lord, in your in your kindness, in your gentleness, dear Father. Continue to cover us. We thank you again. Save us, I pray. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen, my brother. I thank you for taking the time. Blessings to your boys and your family and your wife especially. And before I go, I want to uh, congratulate my brother who had the uh, baptism, Omar Joseph, for uh, being a candidate and giving his life to Christ. So God bless him. Amen. And, uh, amen. We're doing amen. That. And I want to thank you. So, Jason, will we get together soon? Okay, my brother? Well, certainly. Thank you, Joe. And thank you all, um, everyone. And blessings to Omar as well. All right, my brother. Have a good evening. <laughs>